Welcome to the Side-by-Side Podcast, where we connect busy female leaders in ministry to the practical resources they need today. We are your co-hosts, and I'm Annie Purdue-Olson. And I'm Heidi Swart. And we have something really important to celebrate this week, don't we, Heidi? We do. We hit a huge milestone this week. We hit 2,000 listens for our podcast. Woohoo! I'm Absolutely. so excited. <laughs> it's a good thing. You know what? I am so grateful to all of those who have listened to our podcast and who have commented and who have shared our podcast. We really appreciate the support on this journey that Heidi and I have been on in this side-by-side podcast. We have really had some awesome guests on uh, in season, what we are now calling season one, um, that really have given us insight in how to navigate the complexities of leadership. And we really noticed in all of those conversations that there are two things that we need to do in leadership really well, and that's leading self and leading others. And so now we're moving into season two, and we're going to be talking about conversations that matter. We really know that if we want to lead well, we have to do an awesome job of leading self and leading others. Yeah, that's absolutely been the theme through all of our episodes so far, because, you know, if we're not doing the the inner work, like the stuff inside of us, then it's really tough. It's really, really hard to come up with that, the how-to for facing those people problems like you talk about. And, you know, we don't really have a lot of solutions when we ourselves are not healthy. It's really hard to have healthy conversations. And it's really hard to lead others well when we're not taking care of ourselves. Totally true. I think that's why it's so important, like as we hit this milestone of 2000 listeners, that we just pause for a moment and do a two part series that we want to focus on leading self in this episode today and then next episode on leading others, because I think self leadership is super important. Mm -hmm. And as you talked about, is foundational to our ability to be able to lead others well, if we want to lead well, we're going to have to tackle these two things Mm -hmm. that we've been circling around up until this episode. And so let's just like target it and focus in and zero in on Heidi, why is self-leadership so important? This is a topic that um, I love thinking about because I, I think about us in terms of having these two worlds. We have this like outside world and we have this inner world and our inner world are the things like Oh, our motivations or our desires, some of the things that are, are, maybe we call them our core beliefs, and we certainly all have biases. And all of mm-hmm. those things, they show up in this outside world, in other words, in the way we behave. And unfortunately, our inner world, it's really easy to ignore because we can't see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and neither can anyone else. But actually, we kind of see it more than we think we do because that inner world will sometimes try to get our attention. Like we might experience it through a a physical symptom, like a tight chest or an upset stomach, but we also see these, these clues about how healthy we are, how healthy we really are on the inside by the way that we act and the things that we say. And so if we don't pay attention to that inner world, it leaks and we see it in our behaviors. And sometimes those behaviors, they're just not very healthy for us or for others. Yeah. Leading others and, and leading self are, are intricately connected because if we're not doing a good job of that inner world, mm-hmm. then like you said, it leaks all over right. into our outer world. So if we are giving attention to that inner world, um, 
and, and then we can handle the challenges that we're going to face in mm-hmm. the outer world. You know, we can handle it when, you know, we hit resistance when we're trying to make a change. We can handle that personality clash or we can figure out a pathway through some of the conflict that we face. And if we aren't dealing with that, it gets really messy yeah. and, uh, and falls all over the place. Like you said, it leaks. Yeah. And so I really feel like, you know, handling tough conversations is one of the places where we see uh, the effects of leading well in that inner world. Mm-hmm. Like if we can't do that, then, you know, the tough conversations that we have as a leader all falls apart. Yeah. And I'm the first to admit that I don't like conflict. I tend to run (laughs) the other way. And so I think sometimes my viewpoint and when I've been a leader, I hope that if I just kind of ignore them, they'll go away. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) The truth is they just don't. Oh, you know, when I might be saying something controversial here, but uh, I don't think that we're going to, in this episode, be a proponent of swinging the other way Hmm. that goes, okay, you know, you just, just address every people problem in the moment, go after it, deal with it, do it. um, Because that's like the other extreme. So we Mm -hmm. don't want to ignore them. And we don't want to like dive in without thinking both of those really end up messy. Mm. Yep. <laughs> and so it's not ignoring them, but it's really pausing with a purpose. And so I remember a few years ago when I was speaking at a, a women in ministry event, two of these women came up to me after the event and they were visibly unsettled as they started to share about a difficult person that they were dealing with. Um, you could see them wringing their hands. You could actually see mm-hmm. the stress lines on their face, the furrowed brow and, and shaky voices as they began to share their story. Um, they were afraid of actually even bringing it up to me, let alone bringing it up to that other person. Mm. So there was this fear piece that you could visibly see in their response, Mm -hmm. but then they just didn't know what to do. I mean, their first question to me is, is what do I do about this? Mm. Um, But what, what caught my attention first was just all those other things, the, the ringing hands, the stress lines, the shaky voices. That's what caught my attention. Yeah. That's a perfect example of how, what we're feeling on the inside, like shows up on the outside visibly. And I, I can so relate to that, you know, about two years ago, I had to lay off half of the coaching team that I was leading. That meant it was, it was um, months of preparing for that. And unfortunately, you know, I had to lay off, I had to have seven back-to-back conversations with people and I had to talk to them and none of them saw it coming. And as, because I'm conflict avoidant, this was so outside of my comfort zone. And that's exactly what it felt like to me. You know, there, that, that conflict of, of trying to mesh those two places of what I was feeling like on the inside and yet having to externally behave as though everything was fine was a very difficult uh, thing for me to learn how to do. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there is this piece about leading self and, and recognizing what's going on on the inside, the fear, the hurt, the frustration, the, all of that. But then the question we often pose is, well, what do I do about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as these ladies pose this question to me, it was the, the, the physical reactions that I mm-hmm. noticed that really caught my attention. And I knew I had to deal with that first. Um, the sweaty palms, the heart racing, hmm. we have to deal with that first before we can get into the how-to because mm-hmm. our how-to can easily be skewed by the leakiness of what's going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Heidi, what are some of the ways that you see us being able to lead ourselves when mm-hmm. we're in those kinds of difficult situations? 
Yeah. And it, it is hard and you do have to recognize those symptoms. And the number one thing that I've learned to do and have helped others do, my number one tip is just to breathe. And oh, that, yes. <laughs> you know, it sounds so simple because we do it without thinking. But when we take these long, slow, deep inhales through our nose and we exhale out through our mouth, it actually reduces that stress response, which is really what we're feeling in our body. And it's a really natural response. Our body, when it's under stress and when it's uh, in a fear state, it releases this, this hormone called cortisol. And it's associated with a fight, flight, or freeze response. So we all have it. It's a natural thing that happens. But when that happens, we can't think clearly. We forget about what we want to say. We start to self-talk ourselves out of that conversation <laughs> that we need to have. So making that unconscious process conscious actually reduces our cortisol level and our stress. And it prepares us for that conversation that's, that's coming because it's one we want to have. And we want to be able to think clearly and we want to be able to remember what it is that we need to say um, in a way where, where we feel that clarity and confidence. You know, all too often, Heidi, I forget to breathe. Mm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. even when now that I think back on that situation with these two women coming up to me after that event mm -hmm. is that I didn't even think to like pause mm. and just encourage them to breathe at that mm. moment. I'm not super aware of my body myself. This is one of my own self-leadership mm. challenges, I think, is to become aware of my physical reactions yeah. and to pay attention to them because they are clues to what's going on in our thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think even with these two guys, I could have benefited from the advice that you just shared mm -hmm. and had them breathe. <laughs> um, but where I did go with the conversation was dive into the headspace piece because yeah. like how we're thinking, the ruminating thoughts that happen when we're in those situations, when we're having those physical responses, when those emotions are at the forefront, something happens in our headspace. Mm -hmm. headspace. I know I can get into ruminating thoughts pretty easily. <laughs> and as I, you know, watch these two women as they're sharing their story, I could definitely say they were circling around trying mm -hmm. to figure it out and caught in a mental loop that wasn't mm. so helpful. Mm. So like, what are the ways that we can lead ourselves out of that dreadful loop? You know, Annie, as you're talking about this story, I can feel the physical symptoms that you're talking about these women experiencing. Oh, me Oh, too. it's so like I can, I can put myself in their shoes so easily. And I also understand mm -hmm. that mental loop because as a deliberative, I do the same thing. I play out this, these conversations in my head, this, this loop that keeps me company all the time. And it's recognizing that most of the time that worst case scenario won't happen. Um, in fact, a lot of research will say that 85% of the time, that worst case scenario that we imagine, it just simply doesn't happen. So it's catching yep. yourself and being aware of your thought process. That's part of, part of stopping that loop. But I think the other thing is recognizing that in most situations, probably all situations, there's more to the story. In other words, we only see what somebody shows us, but we don't know what's going on with them behind the scenes. And we don't, we don't know, um, you know, what's going on in their life that might be contributing to the behavior that needs to be addressed. So I think recognizing that, that you're just getting a glimpse allows me to approach those conversations with more empathy. That's so good, Heidi, because in the heat of the moment when our emotions are, are at their mm -hmm. strongest and our body is reacting in the way that we've been talking about, 
our attention naturally turns inward. Our body is designed to mm-hmm. self-protect. And so we go into the self-protection mode and it's really, mm-hmm. really hard at that point to see anything from another angle. As these two women were standing before me at this event, I, I realized that it, I couldn't go into mm-hmm. the how-to question without actually first walking through the you know internal mm. side of what was going on for them. Um, it's not about the specifics or the details of the story that I dove into or asked questions about. It was really about asking questions about what impacted right, right. them and how it impacted them. Because once they knew that mm-hmm. I empathized with their concerns and I could see their hurt, then I had gained enough relational Mm -hmm. credibility at that point to be able to shift my questions and then be able to ask about what that other person Mm -hmm. might need. You know, what have they tried in the past to work Mm -hmm. with that person? What's worked about it or what didn't work about it? So I'm moving them from an emotional place into an analytical place, but I can't do that until I've empathized Mm -hmm. with their situation. I think we underrate the power Mm -hmm. of empathy um, in a conversation and, and what power that has to be able to diffuse kind of what is going on, the fire that's going on internally so that we can actually get to answering some of that mm-hmm. how to questions, because once I had their trust and their confidence, I could add perspective so that they could actually see it through another lens and help them do some of the self leadership and navigating through that mm. so that we could actually get to, to the how to mm-hmm. part of that question. One of the things you're hitting on, Annie, as you talk about that story, too, is the fact that it's so important to have a strong relationship um, with the people that you're working with. And I think it's really hard to earn trust in that moment of having that difficult conversation if you don't already have it. And I think one of the ways you can maybe navigate that is that if you just show that you're in their corner, that you want the best for them, that you are interested in working collaboratively with them, Um, to solve the problem, whatever problem is at hand. I think that's one of the ways that you can actually build trust in that moment. If, if this is a newer relationship with you uh, for you, or if this is somebody new on your team, but I think sometimes as a leader, um, people assume that you're going to tell them what to do. And I think if you show that you want to partner with them, that you want to be more of a coach that can help build that trust that people need when you're having a difficult conversation. It's really earning that relationship Mm -hmm. credibility, that uh, trust chips, uh, filling up that Mm -hmm. trust bank before you have to dive into some of the tougher conversations. And while that may not always be the case, uh, knowing that every action we take as as a leader before the tough conversation Mm. matters for when we have to have that tough conversation. And so, and really that's our next conversation. Like how do we tackle this tough conversation with a more collaborative approach? And we want to talk about that in our next episode. We want to get to the how-to. We don't want to just leave you with the self-leadership. We want to dive into the other's leadership uh, next episode. And uh, we are going to talk about the end of the story. What happened in my conversation with these two (laughs) women at this conference? What how-to did I give them at the end of the day? Well, check out next week and you'll find out more. You've been listening to the Side-by-Side Podcast with Annie Purdue Olson and Heidi Zort. Subscribe to get more practical tips women leaders need. Leave us a review. We want to know what you think. 
We would be so honored if you would share this episode with a friend. And finally, check out our show notes with great links to free practical resources from our guests and ways that you can connect with us. Because we believe we lead better when we lead side by side.